Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of the Unqualified Answers podcast. This is hopefully going to be the most me-centered episode of the podcast. I'm hoping every other episode is going to be primarily the question and then me getting into the answer. But this this episode is going to kind of lay the groundwork for the rest. I actually probably could have called this 0.5, but um, it doesn't really matter. Um, this is going to be an episode where I tell you what I believe, a little bit about why I believe it. This is actually going to be the episode that probably comes closest to apologetics because um, I'm going to give reasons why. But um, my goal um, isn't necessarily to convince anyone with this. Um, it's it's more so you know where I'm coming from. And so when you're listening to future episodes, you can say, um, I'm not surprised he answered it that way because he believes X or Y or if you're you know, if you're extremely reformed, you could be like, "Oh, this guy believes in free will. He's a clown. I don't want to. I don't want to listen to him." Um, and you can hopefully save yourself a lot of uh, a lot of time and heartache. So, um, I'm just gonna go through a few things where it's like why I'm one over the other, and then uh, a few more broad beliefs at the end. So, initially, there's the 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 basic question, right? Like, why theism over atheism? Um, so, why do I believe in a god or any gods or you know even kind of spiritual things um and uh that's just simply because i I, the alternative to me uh is is the more extraordinary claim uh i I under without a theistic god or without that sort of overhanging thing i just uh i see the world as like an enclosed system and so in that there's no room for meaning um, so f- basically there are, you know, uh, minor particles that kind of pop in and out, but nothing that really is affecting things. You're not having, um, y- like chairs pop in and out. We're talking about little tiny particles. Um, so, and even if I, I, let me get to it. So basically if something hits you and you have to make a decision, that's a closed system if there's no spiritual aspect to the person, right? It's just coming in and it's hitting your brain and there's a complex process that we may not know entirely of, but there's no room for choice or decision there. Um, And even if these little particles are coming up, they're not, they're not making much of a difference. Uh, And even if they were, it's still, that's random. That's not choice. Um, So in this, you're just kind of a machine of nature um, and I just find that to be uh, an extraordinary claim because of how much it runs contrary to literally my top to bottom human experience. Um, and, and that doesn't mean, you know, uh, I'm right or anything. It just means I, I, I strongly doubt theism is false, uh, if that makes sense. Um, and I've also never found a, a very convincing argument uh, for why the universe exists. Um the only, the only two things I've heard is, one, it popped out of nothing, um, like with these little particles that can kind of fizzle in and out of existence. But um, that's a really scientific understanding of nothing, the, the kind of like zero energy. Um, and I'm just, <laughs> to me, that's not nothing, right? If you can map it, if you can create the kind of model, that's not nothing. When I say nothing, I mean like no energy, no movement, nothing, just zero. And some people would say like, oh, well, that doesn't exist. Well, then... To me, that's the equivalent of saying nothing's ever existed. There's always been something, which is 
something you can say. But once you get to that level, then you have two possibilities. One, you have like this eternal cycle of like creation, destruction, and creation again, in which case you lose a lot of meaning. Um, because either like we're we're in this cycle, right? Where something's created, it fizzles out, and then you get to this like zero state where there's all this kind of quantum foam or whatever, and then it creates again. Or um, the opposite, the, the alternate is that you have this quantum foam that had literally eternity that and it was stable and it, it couldn't have reached any new kind of form because of you know Hilton's hotel or whatever. And so uh, suddenly out of nowhere it it, it creates it, it just it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then um, as far as like morals go, it's kind of tied to values. It just, um, to say that like morals are only tied to natural phenomenon to me just doesn't provide enough force for um, the my experience with morals. It's it's kind of a, a, an argument from like um, feelings or emotions or whatever. There's a word for it that I'm just forgetting. But um, basically, to sum it all up, the theism in my experience is just the more forcefully true option. Um, and then when I add the weight of the countless miracles that have been um recorded over the centuries even if a few a few are false which i would actually grant there are a lot of false miracles but even if you you go jettisoned 80 percent, you still have like this 20 percent of miracles oh something like 70 percent of physicians in the states have you know believe in miracles over 50 have said they've seen them um i i i'm very comfortable saying that. Uh, I I strongly doubt theism is untrue, <laughs> to put it in that kind of convoluted way. Um, so that's why I'm a theist over uh, a, a lack of belief atheism, um, and and the reason I'm a monotheist over a polytheist is is just because, kind of going back to that creation thing where it's like, if you kind of apply Occam's razor to it, and you apply my logic of why I think there has to be kind of a start then there's just one creator, right? There's one thing that set it all off. And if there's also one moral code that comes from on high, then there could only be one moral law giver. Otherwise you have two competing moral laws. And I guess that's still kind of somewhat forceful, but I think we all know there's there's right and there's wrong. And so if you're trying to say two, two contrary things can be right at once, then it kind of defeats the whole purpose. There's It's just meaningless. So um, I... I I think monotheism just kind of purely for Occam's razor makes the most sense. Um, but I will say, I don't like in the old Testament, I, I, I guess I don't reject the idea of like lesser gods is the word the old Testament applies to it. Um, it's just, I think there's only one God uh, with it, it, it uh, all who's all powerful and deserving of worship. So in the really functional sense, I'm a monotheist, even though, if you ask me, like, well, do you believe, like, what about what it says about gods in the Old Testament? It's like, well, yeah, gods exist, plural, but they're they're heavenly beings and they're below God. Um, so <laughs> it's it's a little convoluted, but um, yeah, I'm I'm a monotheist over polytheist just because it's simpler, um, and that may not be the most satisfying answer, but uh, it, as far as I can tell, that makes the most sense. Um, and it also ties a little bit into why I'm a Christian over other monotheistic religions, which is um, I to have a loving creator 
or a creator who encompasses love in themselves, you have to ask the question of what is love and what makes love perfect. And I've come to the conclusion, and this could be debated, right? Like, there's no, like, this is not, this, this is quite different from empirical studies of, like, how strong um, freaking gravity is. This is very different. But to me, love is perfected in a community, right? It's, it, one of my professors said it's desiring the, the best for someone else. And, and I don't know exactly how I'd parse it out in specifics, but I know love is best perfected with someone else. Can you have a type of perfect self-love? Yes, but that is not the complete experience of love because you'll experience the fullness of personal love and you need that for sure. But loving someone else is also different and the, both experiences are important for encapsulating the fullness of love. So if you have a God who's full uh, or who encompasses the fullness of love in in himself or themselves, then you have to kind of conclude that there's kind of multiple people. And again, in community, in, in a couple, you know, the, to me, the community is just another aspect of that perfect love because you're, you're, you're in that community, uh, the community in Christian terms of the Trinity, where you can really cultivate the full experience of love and you can have the, that fullness in God himself. But again, where there's like, a, it makes the most sense to have a singular creator. You have this, this tension where you have the fullness of love in a community, but as far as we can, you know, as far as it makes the most sense, there's, there's one God, at least to me, what makes the most sense. Um, I'm not really trying to get into any debates with polytheists. Uh, that's definitely uh, a new thing for me, but regardless, uh, you have this this one God, but you need this kind of community for the fullness of love. And I think it, it kind of lends itself to a really Trinitarian understanding of who God is. I Naturally, not naturally, maybe you'd argue like, well, you wouldn't have come up with this argument if you were in like the middle of Iran. Maybe not. But regardless, I, I think it comes to this place where you have to conclude God is both one and on some level somehow communal with himself. And I... I think that best is best understood in the Trinity. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, at least Trinitarian for sure. And then also too, you have just the aspect of the fact that Jesus is, is based in history in, in, in miraculously in a way that most, most other religions can't claim, right? Like, of course, Muhammad was historical, but he didn't have the force of weight of miracles of Jesus, nor did he have the claims that Jesus did. And, Regardless of how you feel about Jesus' fulfillment of the law, he also wasn't in keeping as much with the Jewish tradition. Um, so I've, I've, I find myself, I find myself compelled by the person of Jesus and the record of his miracles and how those miracles affected his believers, um, the, the apostles especially. People, you know, people can be deceived. Like there, there are a lot of people who die and commit suicide in cults. But I, I think the biggest difference is the apostles would have known. It was false if they were the ones who like stole the body from the tomb, and it's different. It's quite different to commit suicide for something you've been deceived into believing, and it's quite different to be like tortured to death for something you know to be false. So I've, I've, I again, it benefited the doubt, and also too, just because uh, the Christian religion is the only one that's ever revealed Trinitarian thinking. Like I've really come around to. Um, I am a Christian first and foremost. And the 
especially what I've from what I've seen of the early documents and stuff, I have the utmost confidence in the overarching story of the Gospels uh, and that they adequately reflect the life of Christ, who was the Son of God. I do. I believe in the creeds, so I believe Jesus was um, is was and is the fullness of God, but also a member of the Trinity. He was incarnate by the Virgin Mary, born of the Holy Spirit, uh, came, taught, was crucified, died, buried, descended into hell. The third day he rose again and offers basically the Christian to come into eternal life with him and to experience the, this kind of overcoming of the, the overcoming of sin and this sort of union with God theosis. So that's sort of what I believe about um, Jesus and Christianity. And that's why I'm a Christian over above uh, being a Muslim or being a Jew. Although Judaism would be my second choice if uh, somehow they ever proved the, um, you know, uh, they found the body of Jesus somehow and could prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't think so. I, it's one of those things where um, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, what about like the other 3000 religions, you know? And it's like, well, I haven't had time to go through all those other religions, but I'll tell you that uh, I, I also haven't seen every other explanation for a lot of like the scientific theories I believed. And I, it's not so much that I've rejected every theory except the one I hold. It's that I, I hold the theory I hold because it's the best explanation of the facts as I understand them. So like, I can't tell you every other uh, theory about what the sun is that's ever existed. All I can tell you is the facts as they've pre been presented to me make me believe that the sun is, you know, this ball of uh, gases that's on fire. Um, and it, I, I, I didn't come to that conclusion because I rejected every other theory, but just because the evidence that was shown to me in my grade nine science textbook uh, was compelling enough that I ascended to that belief. And then by virtue of ascending to a belief, all others became null. Could, could I be wrong? Uh, sure. Um, but even if I'm wrong or whatever, it's, it, it, I still, still am right not to have to go through every other belief. And I'm super open to learning about other religions, but um, again, as far as, what I've gone through Christianity uh, is the best, and I I strongly doubt it's false. Uh, in the same way that I strongly doubt the sun is actually like um, a giant meteor or something that's just happens to have very flammable liquid on the outside. Um, it, it, the same way that sounds doubtful is the same way I would doubt my faith. I I think I'm quite convinced Christianity is true. Um, but uh, I don't want to sound arrogant in that. <laughs> I'm just quite convinced in the same way I'm convinced that, again, the sun, you, you get it. You get it. I don't need, I'm going on here. I'm going in circles. Um, and so in Christianity, I am an Anglican. Uh, Anglicanism is kind of in this, it's kind of a weird middle ground between like Catholicism and the Reformation. So Reformed churches are your Protestant churches. Uh, if you're not familiar with that term, um, if you basically Protestantism encompasses like most churches you see um, that have denominations that don't say Catholic or Orthodox. So if you see like Methodist, um, some people would say Seventh-day Adventists are on the outside. Well, 
I'm just trying to think of like big ones. Uh, Wesleyan's Methodist Baptist. Um, the I'm Reformed Presbyterian. Uh, all those sorts of things. Those are all broadly Protestant churches. Pentecostals are Protestant. Um, these sorts of charismatic movements are all under that umbrella too. Uh, basically, if it's not Catholic and it's not Orthodox and it's not a cult, it's it's Protestant. Um, and so why I'm Anglican is just because in this sort of stretch of things, I've come to appreciate a kind of theological minimalism that, that Anglicanism has allowed me to explore. I've been able, I have a lot of Orthodox friends and I've been able to adopt a lot of their beliefs, especially about things like hell. Um, and I have a lot of Catholic friends and, um, I've been able to incorporate a lot of their beliefs and full transparency. I almost converted to Catholicism in university. And I still think Catholics offer a lot of truth. Um, but I ultimately decided not to become Catholic because I didn't see, I wasn't convinced Anglicanism was invalid and I've had all of my God experiences in Anglicanism and I've had my growth in Anglicanism and I like the theological freedom it brings. So until I'm convinced that truly um, there is no salvation outside of the Catholic or Orthodox churches, I'm happy to stay where I'm at. But that, that day could come if you're Catholic and you're like, oh, it's so close. You know, you pray for my conversion if you want to. Um, I'm just, I, I'm still not convinced I, I'm not saved because I'm Anglican. And it would take that step for me to to jump over to Catholicism. Um, and in Anglicanism, that sort of talk would definitely make me high church. So most people probably haven't heard this term, but like in the Anglican church, there's there's high church and low church. Broadly speaking, low church would be like evangelical and they're more modern in the way they do their services. So you'd have the, you know, the maybe electric guitars, maybe acoustic guitars, the modern worship, the uh, the, the priest giving the, uh, the sermon and like cut off jeans, uh, you know, the huge uh, projector, everything like that. That'd be like a modern low church service. And then higher church would be something closer to uh, an old Catholic service. Um, where it's more liturgical, more solemn, a lot of group prayers, older you know hymns with the with the organ instead of modern uh, modern like worship instruments like modern guitars and stuff. You just have an organ, and then um, if you go even further up, my church would probably straddle the line between high church and Anglo Catholic. Uh, Anglo Catholic is when you get like smells and bells, so you get incense, um, you get the ringing of bells, you get the ringing of um, yeah, I want to say gongs, but it's not a gong. It's just a big bell. But yeah, uh, they, they call it smells and bells. But basically, you get the whole Catholic experience in an Anglican nutshell. Um, and if we're, if we're, a lot of those churches have now become Catholic. They've actually just straight up gone to this uh, place that was made for us called the Ordinariate. But there's no Ordinariate church here, and our Catholic churches are eh, have their problems the same way. Uh, my different, but the same way my church does, and so um, I'm I'm happy to stay Anglican for the moment, and I also like Anglicanism because it's a it's helped, especially when I was a kid. I've avoid avoided some of these horrific pitfalls I've heard of from Anglican uh, or from evangelical kids, where they're like, 
they have like these horror stories of how they were taught about hell and stuff. And, um, you know, people are like, oh, Christianity is a religion of fear. And I used to think that was crazy. And then I heard what these kids were taught and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, if that's what you're being told, I kind of, I kind of get it. That's, that's horrific. They have like these hell houses in the South and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is just a horror show. Um, I was taught of hell as like just a thing that existed, but um, I was, I, I, there was always this underlying, underlying feeling of like, God isn't glorified by your fear. Um, legitimately, the first time I, I went to one of my Sunday school teachers and I was worried about my salvation, I was told like, oh, well, if you're worried about it, then you're saved. Like the, this kind of conviction about your sins only comes about to Christians. And, and that was literally it. It was no talk about hell. It was just like, oh, if you're worried, it's good. That means you don't have to worry. Um, and so I'm like been really thankful for kind of the rationality uh, the Anglican Church has provided me. And then like kind of avoiding to these like discussions about um, evolution. Uh, the Anglican Church was just always like, oh, yeah, like evolution is true. But I had a lot of evangelical friends. So I was able to go through that um, kind of discovery on my own for what it's worth to anyone listening uh, I actually was was kind of wasn't sure. I was agnostic about evolution um, until I started reading about some of the more pro-evolution views of Genesis, and I actually came about theologically that those were the better readings of the text before I ever like worried. I'm not that scientific of a person, so before I ever worried about the science, I was actually convinced that Genesis is better read as like poetry and as a rebuke rather than like a science sort of thing. And I was just really thankful that the Anglican church had had room in it for that for me. Uh, it was really, really good. So I, I, and until I'm convinced that the Catholic, like legitimately, there's this Catholic phrase, it's Latin, extra ecclesia nulla salis. It means inside the church, there's no salvation. Um, until I'm convinced that truly requires me to be Catholic, I'll be Anglican and I'll be happy. And uh, for now, that's that's good enough for me. We'll uh, we'll revisit this maybe later, <laughs> um, especially as Anglicanism declines. But that's another, another discussion for another day. Um, and yeah, so and kind of like speaking about my beliefs on hell too. Like, if we get into it, you're you're gonna hear answers that may feel diminished to you if you come from like a more extreme background. I my my view on hell is that it is eternal. And that it's awful and it's horrendous, um, and 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 that the word torment kind of implies in in our minds, I think, like a torture, the same way like someone would torture someone to get information out of them if they're part of Al Qaeda. I think I'm not sure what the horrific part of hell is. I know it's better to be in heaven. Um, I because when it refers to hell, it refers to fire, which is normally um like a visual representation of the wrath of god or punishment um and and i guess my question's always been like even if even if saint peter who uh, saint saint john i believe i don't know i'm too tired for this whoever it was who was seeing this lake of fire what does fire feel like on a spiritual body um that's weeping and gnashing of teeth we know it's a negative experience but these are also ex just descriptors of punishment in general so th the actual like what specifically this this kind of feels like i'm not sure um and i've i've i have some sympathy now for people like cs lewis who kind of saw the punishment of hell not in the pain but in like the isolation 
Um, and then there are a lot of people now who say the punishment of hell is just that you're not in the love of God. You're just cut off. And that's the real, the real pain and punishment. I'm, I don't like talking about it though. Uh, to me, if you're going to be a Christian because you're afraid of hell, it, it's a start, but God isn't that glorified by it. And I don't think God's that happy when people just come to him because they're afraid. That's the worst possible reason. I, and I believe God too, want people to be Christians because it is the better life. It's a better afterlife. And union with God is the ultimate pleasure humans can have. And because believing in Christ's work on the cross is the only way to overcome uh, the sickness of sin in humanity, restore purpose, the, the purpose humans were created for, and ultimately in heaven fully experience what humanity was created for and in the new earth to be given what you're, you know, a proper job by God and finally without the curse of sin hanging over our heads. I think that's just a, that to me is way more compelling than, Hey, hell sucks. And it's like, yeah, Oh yeah, it does for sure. So um, if you hear me kind of, you feel like I'm diminishing it. I'm, I'm not trying to, um, I don't reject the idea of hell whole cloth. Um, I actually think it, the reason I think it's eternal is because I think sin doesn't stop in hell. And there's this question that I've had to myself is like, can people be saved after they're dead? And I think the answer to that is yes. But I, I think the answer to that is also pointless because I think if you get to the point where your rebellion has consumed you so much that you've turned your back on God like that, you'll never go back to him. And if this kind of rebellion is like a baseline sin, then I don't ever see a reason for that to stop. And so you're, the sinning doesn't stop in hell is kind of my point. So I, I, I even think it's eternal. I just don't know how productive the conversation is. And I definitely don't think um, it's going to get me anywhere I want to go or this podcast anywhere it wants to go. So this is really, I'll address it if it comes up in a, in a question, I'm not going to shy away from questions about it, but um, just know that, this is as much as I hope to ever have a discussion about it. it not a place you want to go, not a place I want to go, a place um, I wish, you know, some of my relatives won't go, but they might. Um, and uh, I, I I think when you fully understand it, you know, it'll be understandable. Like some people are like, oh, I could never enjoy heaven if, you know, I had a someone in hell. And to me, that'd be like saying you can't enjoy your life because, you know, you have... Um, you know, a cousin who's battling with the depths of addiction. It's going to be off. You know, it will it will it be something that uh, you wish wasn't the case? Yes, but I don't think it'll keep you from the heights of pleasure because I think in the fullness of understanding, um, it'll it, it'll just be more more sad than anything because uh, you'll have the full understanding that they could stop at any time, and then they'll. It's, at that point, it's just obstinance, and I, I don't think it's going to ruin anyone's experience of heaven, and I don't think it's going to keep them from the fullness of joy um, once we fully understand everything, and in our spiritual bodies once, you know, um, everything's become clear to us. I think there's going to be that empathy where, you, again, you're going to wish they weren't, but I don't think that's going to ruin heaven. Uh and uh, I just have a few things I wrote down here, so I'm just trying to go through. I kind of got through most of that. I, 
I just want to end, I guess, this episode uh, with a note. We'll, we'll get to maybe the purpose of the world, the purpose of mankind uh, in our questions. And I've probably uh, dabbled in a few questions here, maybe preempted some, but I'll get more into them. But the last thing I want to end with is just like why I don't want to do apologetics. And that's because ultimately when I became a Christian, I was suicidal and I wanted to die. And Christianity gave me a hope and a purpose that nothing else in my life could provide. And I, I felt things when I like initially prayed to God that I just can't explain. Um, I'm not saying it was a miracle, but I can't explain it. And um, it, it just gave me so much that if to delve into apologetics, you have to have a good faith um, back and forth that I can't have because ultimately, even if you disproved everything I ever said about my religion, I would still be religious on some level for no other reason than I want to be. I like it. I genuinely enjoy my faith. I enjoy my church and my life is better now than it ever was before. And I'm happier for it. Um, so I, this was all super convoluted. I definitely spoke in circles a little bit, but I just wanted to give you guys a little insight into who I am, what I believe. So if any of that was just horrific to you and you never want to hear me talk again, I hope this, I hope this episode saved you a lot of time from getting into any of the next ones. But if if anything I said here, just, you know, you didn't understand and went off the top or you just don't care. You want me to get into the questions? Well, fantastic. I hope episode two comes out soon. I'm kind of waiting on a little uh, cover for my mic and I need to get the questions from my friend, my friend. Um, but until such a time, uh, hopefully before the end of the week, I can get episode two. We can finally get into the questions and um, I hope you'll, even if you maybe find me a little offensive, I hope you'll maybe give the questions a shot. And um, yeah, the questions are not proprietary or anything. So if I answer them and you're like, I hate that answer, I want to answer myself. I encourage you to start your own podcast. I would tell you to let me know, but there's probably no way, really good way to do that. Yeah. Start your own podcast, answer the questions yourself, maybe probably do more research. I'm kind of a bit busy. So there's probably not going to be like huge footnotes. Yeah you're always free to record your own answers and i'm again babbling it's like 4 30 a.m i just got off work so i look forward to seeing you in episode two i hope it comes out sooner rather than later and thank you so much for your time uh, i know this was a bit of a slog you're great i hope you have a great week i love you god loves you good night